<laughs> thank you, Mr. T. Whoa, I've got to give you one of them. <laughs> thank you. I'll take that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Man, Mr. T, that's a word from the Lord because I tell you what, being led by the Spirit is the best thing ever. You know that Jesus said that, that uh, he came, he was going to leave the Holy Spirit with us, and that was going to be better for us, that he was going to lead us into all truth. He was going to show us things to come. I can tell you what, prosperity, and many of you, if I asked you how many times have you been in the right place at the right time for a major, time, major thing in your life, somebody that you had to meet, some, somebody who knew somebody, whatever it was, those kind of things happen. And I tell you, I do believe in praying in the Spirit. I believe that you know, the Word of God tells us that's how we edify ourselves. That's how we communicate. We, we can even pray the perfect will of God. We don't even know how it says we ought to pray, but we can be praying in the Spirit, and we can be praying the perfect will of God, and God can lead us into all truth, etc., etc. So it's, just, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you, for Mr. T, for that, that reminder. Um, we're... Um, we're excited today. I, um, I know we've got a few visitors that, we, that I've met today. I'm, um, I, I am actually on part six and hopefully the last part of the series. So if you're just joining us, you'll just have to bear with us. But before we get there, um, I wanted to ask uh, student Tracy if they wouldn't mind coming up. Um, we have a marriage event coming up um, in a couple of weeks and we've got a bunch of people registered, but they're going to let us know. They, they lead our, um, uh, this event and they've got some stuff to tell us about it. <laughs> He gives us the hard parts. Hey, uh, we have an event coming up here at Lake Haven. It's our second date night. We're, we're starting a new movement here. Amen. We think that uh, marriage should rock and be super attractive to the world. Yes. So we're going to start right here. Yes. So for our second date night, we thought we'd throw the doors open to ask all of your questions. So uh, let me give you the 411 in question form. When is it? It's coming up Saturday the 17th. It's free, free childcare. Who can come? Anyone who's an adult can come. The topic is marriage, but be prepared. <laughs> maybe you're divorced. Maybe you'd like to come and learn some new tricks for maybe a, a future marriage. Maybe um, you're intending to get married. Maybe you're engaged, like Stephanie Marie. We're gonna we're gonna cover the hard questions that normally get skirted under the rug in the church. Or if you've ever heard some tired pat answers to really hard questions of marriage and life and our humanity and our, our sexuality and all the stuff that, that is real, we're going to throw some real people up here on the stage on a panel and let them address the real questions with real answers, people that have been in the trenches for a few years. Stuart's laughing because he's read through all the questions, <laughs> the anonymous questions we've gotten online. Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> okay. Um, why? Why are we doing this? Of course, because Lake Haven believes that these questions should be brought into a safe place where we can pursue the truth and the ultimate freedom that God had in mind Amen. when he created us male and female and then said, hey, if you rely on me, you're going to smell like me and look like me. And you're going to demonstrate the kind of radical, ridiculous intimacy that I have with my children in marriage. Do you want to cover any of the questions or is that enough? Okay, well, they won't be the typical questions. So we'll just leave it at buckle up. How's that? You have till next Sunday to register. So get on the stick. You can do it today. You can do it online. You can give a call to the church. 
invite the friends mm -hmm. that aren't going to come yes. to church to hear the gospel message on a Sunday morning, but they have real needs. Yeah. They want to know, how do you really do this? You guys got any answers? Yeah, bring them. Bring your friends. Amen. It's free. How yeah. often do you get to come out for a date night, get some great dessert? Last time you stole the microphone a lot. So, I did promise to behave, but listen, um, so those of you that have written in questions, uh, I just want to say thank you for being transparent and honest and courageous enough to be real. Um, and those of you that are on the fence about sending in questions, go, f go for it. Go for it, really. There's some really, really deep, great questions, and then there's some really wild questions. And Tracy's going to answer all those. <laughs> so you never know then what's going to happen. But anyway, uh, thank you for, for sending in your questions, really. Have the courage to go for it. It's, uh, they're meaningful questions. I know they're on your heart. Ask now. There's no better place, no better time to start. Amen. Show up. Awesome. Show up. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I can tell you what. I've seen some of those questions, and buckle up is the right word. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It is going to be typical to Lake Haven. It is going to be very real, very real, very real. So um, they are going to be, it is definitely adult rated. So we, they will be, we can't say certain things here online that some of these words that we will put out there, but we will, you know, if it is, so we, it's not just sexuality as they so clean, plainly said, but there is definitely sexuality and we're going to be talking very plainly. You know what? This is the church. This is where we talk about it. We're not going to leave these up for the world to answer. There's enough of that out there in the world. We can, we can do this. God created sexuality. God, marriage was God's idea. And there is, it's, going to, it's going to be a funny evening. And you know what? Bring people. I'm telling you, every one of us here um, know people. We work with people. I, and we would love to have people that aren't saved here. So if you know people who are struggling in marriage or they would just like a better marriage, I'm sure every one of us are there. As, as was said many times before, Good marriages take work, bad marriages just take a little bit more. You know, it's just one of those things that we're going to invest in marriage. And, and it's a great opportunity for you to invite your neighbors, your friends, people too. And I don't mind if they go to, it doesn't matter if they go to another church. It doesn't matter if they're not saved. We're going to have a great night. It is completely free. They're going to get dessert and they will laugh and they're going to, it's going to be very real. So it'll be a good, good, good night. Thanks, Jordan and Tracy for what you're doing. It's awesome. Yes. I know, so, and they're gonna, they've got another event coming up, which is, we'll tell you more about at that event. I did want to also mention, last week we had Pastors Alan and Janice over here. Was it good? Many of you got to know. I know that many of you are new here, and you do not know Pastors Alan and Janice. They, they were here for 20 years at Lake Haven, and so they laid a foundation in this church. That I'm the fourth pastor here. I've been here three years. There was another pastor between us, um, Pastor Dane Massey. In any case, they, they just sent so much love. They said they're praying for us. They enjoyed it so much to be with us all. So um, obviously, Corin and I are not Pastor Alan and Janice. I don't know how many of you have realized that, but <laughs> I do not, we cannot speak with her accent or tell her jokes or, or, or anything, but um, 
but we're so grateful for what God's doing here. I, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, we gave them a plaque that just said thank you, and, and, the, and it was that, it was that uh, a, little, a little iceberg. They have laid a foundation of 20 years of work here that we're super grateful for. They and the other pastors too, but we're so grateful for what they've invested in our lives. So we honor, we honor them. We, we're so grateful they came, um, and we're looking forward to where God's taking us. So be praying, be praying with us because I've got a sense of expectation in my heart about where God is sending and God for us here as the body of Christ, and, and I really am. So uh, I know some of us are, are praying intently about certain things, and, and um, just, just be praying. That's all I can say. Um, Dave and Beth, I also want to mention this. Dave and Beth, uh, our, Dave is, our, is my associate pastor. He has been with us today. They have arrived here five years ago. Five years ago. So Dave and Beth, man. I tell you what, what a, what a great privilege it is. Beth is here with us. She's our children's pastor, and she's done a phenomenal job just in, just in loving on kids and just being real with the kids out there. My wife is helping out there this morning. Corin, you know, I don't know what, they, what somebody else said about, you know, us coming in feeling, I think it was you, Warren, was it? You said sometimes we can walk in feeling, was it, maybe it was Lady. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, when sometimes you can walk in feeling a little down and things like that. And I was thinking, it's not me. You know, if, if, my, if God just gave me the perfect wife and she just lined up with me, then we wouldn't have all these problems. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why I'm going to be there and I'm not going to be on the panel. <laughs> That's going to be good. Anyhow, as I mentioned, um, we are doing part six uh, of a grow series, and um, and I'm hoping tonight, today will be the last and final part of this. So if you're not being part of this, this is an essential series God put on my heart. We're wanting to get it on, on, on video because this will be a sort of a foundations of faith uh, video reference tool. So we do go through some scriptures. We do go through a lot of scriptures that you can study afterwards um, because it is such an important part. You know that it says in, in, in Hebrews, and we'll get to it in a minute, which says that we do not cast aside these foundations. These are an essential, essential tool. Um, uh, in Ephesians 4, I'm reading it um, from the NIV. It says in verse 14, actually, let me just stop, drop back. Um, how about I read from verse 11? It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Say mature. mature. Become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that interesting? We can, we can become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Well, you know, we speak a lot about we have been given everything. In, we have already been given everything in Christ. So it almost sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron. What is it saying? That we can become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then listen, in verse 14, it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Wow. Wow. That is powerful. That, that this is the plan that God has for us is to grow up, to be established in him. And he says that we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of, of men in their deceitful scheming. That's kind of sad. Men in their deceitful scheming. There are people 
There are people, people, listen. <laughs> there are people out there today that are schemers and are deceitful schemers that will mislead the young And the young are able to be deceived. And that's why he's warning us. He says, listen, we'd no longer be infants. I like how the message puts this, that says in verse 14, no prolonged infancies among you, please, will not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up to know the, tr the whole truth and tell it all in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything that we do. Amen. So we, we see that there is this foundation and, then, and, and as I said and when we read Hebrews 6 it says that we don't cast aside the very foundations. These foundations are a big deal. And, and that means we don't ignore them. We, we, we do not ever ignore them. Our foundations are where we, we reference. It's our major reference point. And, and we said that the foundations are one of three, there's actually more, but unchanging references. The names of God in the Old Testament, the Jesus, the life of Jesus in, in, in how Jesus acted because Jesus said that he came to show us the Father, right? He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, so you can look at Jesus and know what God looks like. He is the very representation of what God, was going to, what God looks like. How many people have said to you, I don't know what God looks like. How do you know what God looks like? Well, we can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you can get a pretty accurate picture of exactly how God looks, how he operates, how he treats sinners, how he treats religion, how he treats generosity, how he treats everything. So that's another point. And then of course these foundations. These foundations are, are a solid reference point. A solid reference point. If we don't, if we cast aside, if we don't look at our foundations, we can be like these infants tossed aside and, and subject to the deceitful scheming of, of imposters. And, and believe me, I, my, my, my line of reference is a, little, is a little longer, maybe because I've been saved for a, n a number of years, but I have walked a road with many people and, I've wondered, and I've, some of those have gone astray. Sadly, I've, I've watched it happen. And, and so I don't mean to put a downer on this, but let this be a warning to us that if we do not base ourselves in the foundations, if you do not keep, I can't, I'm, I'm, I wish I, 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 well, no, I don't actually wish that. I was about to say I wish I could, but I can't do that for you. You can be the only, you are the only one who is responsible for the well-being of your spirit and soul. Amen. Exactly. We've spoken about it many times, Proverbs 4, guard your heart. Your belief system, right? Because it's with your heart you believe. It says in Romans 10. But guard your heart above all else. That's something only you can do. Amen. Only you can do, right? So, so we see that these foundations, if, if we, can, we can get an imposter and, and turned aside. Um, I, I, I try to, I'll try and tell the story quickly. But one of the reasons I went to Bible school, let me tell you, I wasn't planning on going into the ministry. When I was younger, I did not think... I would be in the ministry one day. I didn't. I thought that I was going to go into medicine. I was, had an interest in, in going into medicine. In fact, I, in South African Army, they gave, they gave me a choice because I was planning on, I had applied to go and study medicine at a university in South Africa, and I, just, I chose not to. I said, I'm, I didn't feel peace about it at the time, 
and certain, certain circumstances happened, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go into, because we had to serve in the South African military. So they gave me a choice. They said, okay, well, you have to serve, but here's where we've got opportunity, and they named a couple of places. Where would you like? They gave me an option. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So um, instead of serving in the Signal Corps, I chose the Medical Corps because I was interested in medicine. I was like, oh, that'll be cool. I'll, I'll want to serve. I want, so I chose the Medical Corps. Got, I got, got my call-up papers sent, and I, I got brought into the Medical Corps, went, into, went through medical training, and I became sort of a, well, what we called a, an ops medic, an operational medical orderly. And you, you, have a, you have different terminologies here in the, in the American military, combat medics, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I was called an operational medical orderly, and we were trained to be deployed in various forces, across various forces, and we, was, we were trained to be pretty adaptable, and et cetera, et cetera. So I was deployed um, after this part. I was, thank God, I was saved and, and I was deployed to northern Namibia on the border of Angola. It was in the time of Reagan and Thatcher, if you remember the 80s at all, and all those, though, that time there was a, a lot of, the USSR was the, was, was the big bad wolf, so to speak, of, uh, in America's blind said, the, we, there was the, the Soviet socialist presence was there. They were on the other side. You know, we had American Stinger missile teams on our side. We had, we had, Russian pilots on the other side, Cubans, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. But I was deployed under those circumstances. And I can tell you a lot of war stories of mine, um, but it was an interesting time for me as a believer to come, to, to come and to be a medic and, and to, to face some of the things that I faced. And in that time, um, some of you have heard my testimony and, and, and how in that period of time I sort of came to a point in my relationship with Jesus where where I was faced with the end of being me, the end of trying to serve God out of my ability. And, and um, I, God brought a couple of people alongside of me in that time, and some of you have met one or two of them that have, that have actually visited here. One lives in Australia right now. And, and, and in this time, I, I realized that all that I had learned by going to church Everything that I had learned from going to church didn't get me very far. I reached the end of it. It's like, Jesus, what, where does this work? And, and, I, and I tell you, I'll tell you frankly, I'd, I'll try and keep it sort of, I don't mean to get too deep, but when, you, when you're faced with death, it's, it's, you don't get a lot of people any case, let me just say, when you're faced with, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the right way to say this. When you're, when, you, when, you're faced, when you're faced with death, you end up being very real. You're forced to be very real. You don't play very many religious games. There's no time to play, face religious games. And in, in that period of time, I, I, I went from this, and God did an incredible work in my heart. I had a very dark time spiritually, and then, and then I learned about some of the things we're teaching here. God started teaching me about faith righteousness, and the lights were coming on, and my life was being set free. As a believer, I was starting to experience Jesus in a, on a level that I'd never experienced him before. And, and it was incredibly life-altering for me. And in that period of time, too, I also realized that there were teachings going around that set me into confusion. I remember going to a certain chaplain's house, and he had a Bible study, and we were, we were sitting around. He was, a, he was a nice guy, him and his wife, and we were sitting around. And that was the first time that I heard that Christians could have demons. Oh, didn't you know Christians could have demons? And I was like, what? 
And, and it confused me. It's like, what, what do you mean we can have demons? Because, you know, if, if I can convince you that, you, that, that Christians can have demons, what's the next question that you're going to ask yourself as a young believer? Maybe you have one. How did I get it? How, can I, how do you get it? How do you know if you've got it? How do you get rid of it? There is a lot of confusion out there. And, and I, I, so one of the reasons I ended up deciding, I decided in the military, I said, you know what? I want to go to Bible school one day. I want to go to Bible school one day because I just don't know what to believe. Here I've gone to church my whole life, and I did. I got saved when I was six years old. I had gone through church and gone through being born again in the Baptist church. I got filled, in the, filled with the Holy Spirit in the Assemblies of God church, which was radical, was wonderful. But it led me to a place where I was still confused. I mean, how do you interpret Old Testament and New Testament? I mean, I'd sit in church, and then the preacher would talk about, yeah, he'd flip over to Numbers and Leviticus, and then Malachi teaching about this, and then over to the New Testament and Old Testament, and I, was, I, I got thoroughly mixed up. So I was like, Lord, help me understand. And so I went to Bible school, and in Bible school was what, where I started getting a foundation of the Word of God. Just a good foundation, a solid, a, a solid point of reference to understand, hold on a second, what do I believe and why do I believe it? Because, you know, some of us hold doubts in our hearts that if we want to be honest with ourselves, we don't want to let anybody know because certainly you don't let the preacher know because the pastor might get all mad at me. But I had serious doubts, like why the Bible? I don't know if any of you have ever thought that, but why? Why the Bible? What about all the other holy books? What about the Quran? What about this? Why, what's to say that one's not right? And then which Bible do you read? Do you read this one or this one? Which is the right one? I don't know. Those are questions that are real questions that you can have as a believer sitting in church. And, and Satan, <laughs> he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So what is church about? Well, church is hopefully a place where we can, as these babes in these foundations, get grounded in truth. These people that I've told you about, and I could, I could make myself tear up, I won't have to make myself tear up, thinking about the people that I've walked alongside who have started doubting and pursued, uh, 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 and, and look, doubts are fine. Doubts will come to all of us. But what do you do with a doubt? How do you address a doubt? What do you do if you don't believe in, you know, well, Lord, I'm not so sure because everybody, you, you guys all talk about God, God's word being, you know, I mean, the Bible being God's word. How do you know? Because it is a solid foundation. And it, so, forgive me, I know it's getting real quiet here. <laughs> but the, the, point, the point is, though, that you can and should know beyond a shadow of a doubt what is true and how it's supposed to work. That is what the point of going to church is about. The point of going to church is not to come and, you know, I don't, we don't give out those little check things, you know, punch cards, clock, where, you, where you're earning, you know, punched cards for... The pearly gates one day, when Peter's going to stand in front and you're going to pull out your punched cards and say, see how many times I went to church, right? 
Neither, neither is it a place just to come and put a little solve on you because you're hurt. And that, praise God, is a place that you can come and get, you can come and get solutions right here. But to be grounded, to, be, to move from infancy, to be established, not to be blown by winds of doctrine. Doctrine, people. Doctrine. Well, I'm not into that doctrine stuff. That's all for you preachers out there. Listen, guys, you've got a belief system like I've got a belief system. What are you doing with your belief system? Proverbs 4, we said, guard your heart above all else. From your belief system, from your heart, flow the very forces of life, the very issues of life. Your life, your belief system is where it all happens. Everything that you're experiencing today, and you'll find out at the marriage retreat too, everything you believe, how you're experiencing life is coming out of your belief system. How you're experiencing your marriage is coming out of your belief system. Exactly. Terence works in the, in the police force, and he was saying, he said a couple of weeks ago, um, Mr. T was up here receiving the offering. He was saying, he, in jails today, the sad thing is there's, there's as many believers as non-believers. There's good people in prison because they made a mistake. The divorce rate is as high in the church as it is in the world. So we, I, I would venture to say, Jesus came. We know, we know that we know because the word of God tells us that God says that we, he came, Jesus came so that we can have life and life more abundantly. But we have to take those foundations, we have to lay on in our hearts to be able to put it in our lives so that we aren't just being tossed aside by a wind of doctrine. Some years ago, I was sitting in a particular venue, and I heard somebody say from, from the front of the church, saying, well, everybody's in the body of Christ. The whole world is just inside the body of Christ. They just don't know about it yet. But the truth is, because I had a foundation, my, my heart said, wait a second. There were lots of people around, didn't even notice it, just said, oh, okay. Oh, really? And I was like, what? And I went to the pastor. I said, listen, um, that person that you just had ministering that day said this. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah. They said that everybody's part of the body of Christ. As a preacher, when, that is a wind of doctrine that is out there today. You don't have to go. You can, if you believe everything on Facebook, I know none of you do, but if you believe everything on Facebook, there are, there are doctrines out there that say things like that. And, and it's subtly, it is subtly, subtly wrong. Because has Jesus died for the sin of the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've spoken about it in one of our foundations. We've spoken about it in the atonement. Jesus has died for the sin. Is everybody part of the body of Christ right now? No. Absolutely not. So, the point being, again, the foundations are important. If we turn off, if we, aren't, if, we don't, if we cast aside these foundations and start hearing things like that, they, these doctrines can blow you aside and confuse you like, I don't know, somebody, like a termite in a yo-yo I once heard. You know, you, know, you don't know which way is up, right? Anyhow, so 
That was just my introduction. Sorry, no, but, but, but so the, the, the final foundation that we've got to wrap up in is the resurrection. I called it the resurrection and the reckoning. The resurrection and the reckoning. Because these two are the last of the six foundations. So um, I'm going to start with Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, there, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to, there's that word again, go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, the instruction about washings or baptism, as we read in other uh, translation, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and, the, and eternal judgment. So the last, the last two are the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgments. Now, I don't know where you stand, but th- as I said, this, this, the point of this is for us to, to lay this good foundation, right? So we're going to look at these two things. What is What about the resurrection? What is happening about the resurrection and where, what, is, what are the judgments about, okay? So, so um, let's look at this. Do you know that the resurrection is the only thing that separates us, Christianity, from all other religions? Not Muhammad, the Buddha, Confucius, Krishna, Jesus alone, right? He only is the one. He is the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. No one else. Is those doctrines going around together? I, I, I hear that from people who say that they're Christians too. Well, kind of all roads lead to Rome. Not according to the word of God. There's only one way and his name is Jesus, right? The name of Jesus. So, um, so we see this, Matthew 17, 23. So as I mentioned, we're going to go through some, don't worry necessarily about writing them all down. We will produce notes at some stage. And if you want to study these, we can, you can go through it slowly. But Matthew 17, 23 in the NIV says, they will kill him and on the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus talking about Jesus' resurrection. Romans 1, 4 says this, and through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, by Jesus' resurrection was he proved. He was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus our Lord. He is proof that we have eternal life. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 6.14 By his power God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. So we know that, right? We believe it. We're ch- Christians. You wouldn't have come into church likely if you didn't know that we, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. We've spoken about the atonement. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. It proved he was the son of God. He is called the firstborn from among the dead. He is the one that's been risen to dead. And it says that he will raise us also. Second Corinthians 1, 21 says, um, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm, in Christ, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee, the guarantee of what is to come. So there are two basic errors that are often taught with the resurrection. One group of religious people say there is no resurrection at all. In fact, you even had them in the New Testament. They were called the Sadducees. They were sad, you see. Yeah. Because 
they, they, they had, didn't believe, I know it's an old joke, sorry, I, it's corny, so, but um, it's in, in Acts 23 verse 8, it says, the Sadducees, the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. So the Sadducees said there was no resurrection. They, there was a group of people that believed there was no resurrection. Um, then there's this other group that says that the resurrection has already occurred. Second Timothy talks about that, 2.17. Their teaching, listen to, listen to the, word, the verbiage here. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. So two basic teachings we see. So of this, we, a lot of times people say, well, you don't really qualify for the resurrection or there is no resurrection or it's, it's already passed. But God, we see this in, in listen to this in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse, I'm starting at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead or of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Right? So understanding the resurrection is where our ba- we, we, is a foundation, obviously, of our faith. And we saw, we've spoken about this, and I can't go into this for a, a, for a long, long time, a big deal. But rem- we've got to remember the humanity of Jesus. In, in Philippians 2, it talks that Jesus, Jesus emptied himself of his divinity. Do you realize that? He emptied himself, he made himself of nothing. He didn't, come, he didn't come to the earth as God. He came as the son of man. Emptied himself and he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus, the son of God, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth in his humanity. Understanding the humanity of Jesus is a very important deal because you see, if we just put throw Jesus to one side and say, well, Jesus did everything as he did as the son of God, which I was raised to think and believe. Just it, but you see, then it pushes, it's like, well, what, what, what hope do we have to do the works that he did? Because he was so special, he was the son of God. No, the only difference between Jesus and us is that Jesus wasn't born in sin. That he also had the anointing. Remember when he got baptized, it says that the Spirit of God came down on him as a dove, right? And then he was led into the wilderness and he had those three temptations and then he started his ministry. The first miracles that were ever recorded were after he was anointed and operated. Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit just like you and I can operate. That's why Jesus said, these things that I did, you're going to do also. As people, so understanding the humanity of Jesus is a very important thing. Jesus didn't do and accomplish what he needed to accomplish on earth as God. He had to, he had to win the battle as man. That's, that was part of the whole plan. And, I, and, and there's, there's theology we can study if you, if you don't understand that. But, but he had to do it. He had to defeat the devil, defeat sin, 
as a man. He represented man. That's why we, because they call him, he's our brother, the first brother. He, he, he defeated the, it's, it's magnificent. It, when you get a hold of that, it's powerful to realize that Jesus is our brother and the firstborn from among the dead. Okay, so he did this as a man anointed him. Okay, so um, then we talk about um, the resurrection, right? This is, listen to this in 1 Corinthians 15, 49. Um, and just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, listen to that. Flesh and blood, so the natural it's talking about, the body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, I did that, like if you watched the Marvel, maybe you understand. Not in a flash, in a twinkling of, of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, the mortal with immortality, then the saying that has been written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. If you study that passage in, t in time, and, and, it, and I understand, I could, you can dwell on that for a while. But it's a, do, you, do you realize that everybody is going to live forever? Everybody. Everybody is going to live forever, whether you believe it or not. In that there will be a time where immortality is clothed, I mean, with mortality is clothed with immortality. So, so we see that there are actually two resurrections in the scripture. Two resurrections. In Revelation, it says this in verse 20, verse 5. For the, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, and they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. So there are two actual resurrections. The righteous people, and, and we've got to explain this, but they, they, there will be a resurrection that we experience. Now, when the resurrection is, is talk, spoken about, it's not talking about when you and I die, if you're a believer in Christ, do you realize that you do not go to sleep? When your body dies, it doesn't go to sleep in some dirt and wait one day for the first resurrection. No, scripture teaches that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You will simply translate right now, you will, if you died right now, and I've, I've been with people who have passed away a number of times, and you, you, a lot of times people will start seeing the spiritual before they even leave the physical. They start seeing angels. They start seeing, it's like they start transitioning from this realm to the other realm. Have you ever noticed that? But, it's, but you will, your, your body dies. This will go, it can go to a crematorium or get thrown in the dirt, whatever you prefer. You know, I, I, I don't have a prefer preference. I mean, some people are, get all hung up about that. Look, some people are eaten by sharks and some people have got a big problem with that. Well, how can you be resurrected if somebody's eaten you? I don't know. You know, but whether worms eat you or sharks eat you or you get burned, it's just this body. It's going to die. It's going to rot. It's going to fade. Big deal. I've handled a lot of bodies. When you handle a body, 
it's pretty amazing to handle the body because I, you realize, ah, this is not the person. You, you realize you people, you are a living soul. You, every one of us, even the jerk that you don't like at work, or the, or, or, or the person that hogs the fast lane, you know, that person, they are also going to go to heaven. Or they're going to live eternally. You know, sometimes I wonder, especially those people that hog the fast lane. I think I, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I shouldn't, that's a bad joke. Um, but, but the body is just natural. It's going to fade away. But the first resurrection, it's talking about your body. You're going to get a glorified body just like Jesus did, remember? Jesus had a glorified body. It appeared in a locked room, said that the doors were locked. His body, he appeared in them and he appeared to the disciples. He, he, they could touch him inside there. They, Thomas could put his hands and feet, he could touch him. So it's a, it's a magnificently glorified body. He met the disciples. He ate fish with them. So we could see, there's a lot you can tell about the glorified body. It's touchable. It can move quickly. It can appear to a lot of people. It can appear behind locked doors. There's a thing about the glorified body that I don't understand everything, but the scripture does talk about that. But you, as a believer, when you die, you will be absent from the body and immediately present with the Lord. It, says, it talks about you will not even taste death. And there's, there's, a ton of, there's, a, there's a ton of scriptures. that There's a bunch of scriptures we can go into here. But then there's the second death. I mean, sorry, sorry, the second resurrection. And that's going to be for the unrighteous. You see, the righteous people will be in the first resurrection. All of you who have clung to Jesus and made Jesus Lord, you will be in that first. Your bodies will be resurrected and you will, you will reign with Jesus a thousand years. Now, that's pretty wild, reigning with Jesus for a thousand years. But then there's a thousand years is going to come to an end. And I'm not trying to teach eschatology here, but from my limited understanding, after a thousand years, it says Satan will again be set free for a while. And there is going to be a war. And then finally, it's all going to be wrapped up. And then there's going to be the last judgment. Then there's going to be the resurrection of all those who haven't believed in Jesus. Those who have said, Listen, I can do this in my own ability. There's going to be the second resurrection and the second judgment, which we're going to touch on here. But, but 2 Corinthians 5, just for reference, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 to 10, talks about that, that scripture that in, verse, in verse 8. It says that we are confident we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And then it says that in verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we may receive what is due for us for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. And that brings us to the judgments. So just for a few minutes, I want to talk about judgment. Now, we've spoken about the atonement, and, and it's important. That is one of the very first foundations we've spoken about. Because what Jesus did on the cross is the judgment of the sin of the world. Jesus judged the sin of the world God judged the sin of the world in Jesus. It talks about this. You can go back to it in John 13. It says that now is the time for the judgment of the world. Now he will be cast out. So, and I'm not going to, to go back and teach number 
won again, or you know, but but it's under, it's important to understand when Jesus died for the sin of the world, sin was paid for. What what remains for the believer? You don't, you and I don't pay for our sins. Jesus has paid for the sin of the world. Saint and sinner alike, the world's sins were paid for. So when the believer clings to us, what remains? How people get saved is by simply falling on their knees, proverbially speaking, and saying, "Jesus, I can't save myself." Only you can save me, right? And, and that, the, so, so the two judgments that, we, that are spoken about in Scripture, the, there's, the, there's the, the judgment of seed of Christ, which we as believers will stand before the Lord, and it talks about us receiving rewards for while we've done stuff. Now, I, I don't understand all of that, to be quite frank. I don't get all the idea of the rewards. I've read a lot of different views and opinions about rewards. I don't think rewards are exactly, you know, like you get six bars of gold and I get one bar of gold. I don't think that's what it is, you know. I don't, I don't think God hands out paving stones in heaven, you know, for rewards. I, I, I don't think, but, but, but there are rewards. And they are for things done while on earth. That, that, that as much is, is clear. Okay. So, um, but listen, uh, listen to these scriptures in John 12, 47. It, there is a judge, but listen to what Jesus talks about the judge. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. What does Jesus say? I don't judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Verse 48. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. John 5, 24. Very, uh, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present continuous tense, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Read that again. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Isn't that good news? You, that's all that remains is somebody just believes in Jesus. And I'm not talking about a mental, oh yeah, I know about that Jesus guy. That's not, a, that's not what it's saying. It's about clinging to him. It's about Jesus has paid the price. When, when you cling, when you realize that, that, that you and I can't earn a way, a, a ticket into heaven. It's clear in scripture. You, can't, you, you can even be a martyr. You can't, you can't do enough good stuff to get into heaven. You can't do it by, you can't earn it by the law. That's what the whole book of just about the first eight chapters in Romans talks about. You can't earn your way into heaven. Right? So this is about just clinging to Jesus, and, and, and that's it. Then it says, when we do that, we will not be judged. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your atonement, right? So then, so it, it says that, um, uh, uh, let me talk about the, the judgment seat of Christ a little bit. Second Corinthians 5, we, we, we read the verse here, Second Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we may receive what is due for us things uh, for sorry due us for the things done while in the body whether good or bad now this is not the proverbial video screen stuff sin has been dealt with 
it's not about whether you qualify. The believers, the judgment seat of Christ is not about for a believer about whether you're going to go to heaven or not. It's not a decision where, where God is sitting, tapping his foot, deciding if you're going to make it to heaven. It's for these rewards, right? Just simply, simply placed as, as what we've said. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about this in 10 to 15. It says, by the grace of God, oh, sorry, I'm going to jump down. Um, uh, 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because that day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. And if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. So we've spoken about in one of the earlier foundations, repentance from dead works. I, I believe, you know, if, if you carrying your, your works with you, the motive of your works will be tested. Not what you've done. The motive of what you've done. God judges the motive because somebody could say, oh, well, you know, I gave a million dollars to the work of God. Well, Jesus saw the woman who gave the two pennies and said she's given more than everybody else. So it's not about what you did. It's about what you think you did, right? I mean, what the reason why you did it. So th those, those things, whether you, good works, I believe, will pass through the fire. That's what it shows over here. But dead works aren't going to make it through the fire. But guess what? It ain't going to matter. Because on the other side, there is going to be no crying or shame or anything. When we stand before the Lord, you aren't going to be ashamed of who you are or what you have. Because there is no crying or shame. I believe that's why when we come through, it's going to be there. But it does seem to be clear. This is the opportunity for reward. I don't get it all. This is not a works righteousness to make it into heaven. But this is, there is mention of eternal reward. Amen? So that is the first judgment, is the great, is, is, the, is the judgment seat of Christ. We call it, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the terminology scripture uses. Judgment seat of Christ. Okay. But then there's the great white throne judgment in Revelation. And we read about this. This is not for you and me as believers. You will not be at the great white throne judgment. This is for people who have rejected Jesus and clung to other things. Whether it be other religions or works or it could be Christianity, but they've used it as a religion. I'm not the judge. I don't know, right? We see this. But here, Revelation 20, 11 says this. And I saw a great white throne and on him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The dead. So they, this is the second one, right? We saw early in Revelation. This is the second resurrection. The dead get resurrected. Those people who weren't with Christ, and, and by the way, I must just interject here, I didn't tell you, we who believe will immediately, when we die, we immediately step into the presence of God. Our spirits and souls go to be the presence of God. If, when people who don't believe, their souls also don't go to sleep in the grave, their souls go into torment. We see that in the story Jesus said of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man says, 
to Abraham. He says, oh, please, let's, I don't want my brothers to suffer this thing. Please go and tell, remember the story, the whole deal about that. So we know that them too also step into a, a, a place of called Hades where there is torment. There is a torment. That's, but their bodies too get resurrected in the second resurrection and the dead stand before them here. So it says, and the dead stand, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. This is not talking about believers. This is the great white throne judgment. Do you see the difference? People reference these without understanding this, and they say, oh, you see, we're going to be judged according to it. No, this is the people who refused to believe on Jesus. They are going to be judged whether they can enter heaven or not according to what they've done. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Amen. So, in a nutshell, <laughs> wrapping this up, two resurrections, two judgments. We, when we die, all we do is, is, if we have believed on Jesus, we step immediately into his presence, amen. The atonement has paid for the sin of the world. The good news for the world in which we've dealt with in, in exhaustively in the atonement is that Jesus has paid the price for the sin of the world. That's what makes it so tragic. It makes it tragic for us not to take the good news to the world. Because the price for their sin has already been paid. The good news to the sinner is that you don't have to suffer the consequences of your sin. All you need to do is cling to what Jesus did for you. By faith, receive what he's done. And we've said it so many times here. By grace, through faith, we are saved. Not by works, lest any man should boast, right? Simply by grace, through faith. So here in these, so we receive by faith this wonderful, this wonderful, I mean, inheritance of the saints. We're, we could go on and on about the glorious inheritance we've been given and, and your rightful place and where we're going to be ruling and reigning and et cetera, et cetera. These, these are the foundations, right? These ones are just the simple foundations of the truth. We've rarely spoken about this in our church. We rarely speak about the resurrections or judgments. But it's good for us to know these are the six foundations because I'm telling you, I've had friends that I've walked a road with that have departed from these foundations. They are saying there is no more judgment. There is no more they, 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 at all. They've thrown away the judgments. They've thrown away. They say, they, 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 I don't know if you've ever heard this term. It's called annihilationism in theology. They basically believe that people aren't, you know, they're just going to cease to exist completely. And, and, they, and they justify it using scripture and saying God is a God of love and he's not going to do this and do that. Let me tell you, God is not the one sending anybody to hell. Nobody gets sent to hell by the Lord. Jesus says that, that he is the one that offers people 
um, the ability to go and spend eternity with him. I'm just going to look out that scripture quickly here because it's so beautiful. Um, uh, in John 3:16, God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Isn't that powerful? I don't know. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Let's read verse 18. Remember John 3:16, we know well. God so loved the world, and it's so powerful that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, whoever believes, right there, that'll straighten up a lot of theology. Whoever believes. Well, what about the 144,000? Do you know there's religions built at 144,000? Whoever believes, it says, whoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world but to save the world. And in verse 18 is, in, is, is part of it. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe, just believe, stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of, the, of God's one and only son. So, my prayer is that you understand these foundations, how important they are. We, are, we can teach, as I said, an entire series on, on these at, at, at exhaustive length and go into you know, judgments, etc. But understand just these simple things about the judgments and resurrections. It's an important tool, it's an important place. Like I said in the beginning, we don't cast aside these foundations, which means we don't ignore them, but neither do we want to keep relaying the foundations over and over again. These, are tr these truths that we've taught in this series are so important. I'm going to reference them in the next few months because when we teach about other things, we, it's important that if we aren't grounded in the foundations, we can turn stuff that Jesus meant for our good into legalism. And, and I'll let you know a lot, and I'm going to give you a hint of what's coming in a few months' time. God laid on my heart to teach new covenant prayer. New covenant prayer is very different to how a lot of the body of Christ pray today. A lot. A lot of how the body of Christ pray today pray like the Old Testament. But... If I start talking about prayer and we call, talk about a call to prayer, a lot of people will just turn it into a work and make it a legalism to try and please God. When we've spoken, this is why this foundation is important that we understand what dead works and why we aren't into this stuff, right? So, so don't let go of these foundations, amen? I charge you. This is, this is, these foundations are important. Get them grounded in your heart. If you've got to go and listen to them, listen to them again. I, I know I flashed through a bunch of scripture and that is intentional with this series because this is, this, as I said, it will be a video curriculum. It will have notes and you'll be able to go through some of these scriptures piece by piece and say, okay, so let's look at these scriptures. Let's look at every part of this. Let's look at the atonement. Let's look at dead works. Let's look at faith towards God. Let's look at resurrection and judgments. Amen? So that we can be firmly grounded. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. 
Father, I thank you that you take the foolishness of what is preached. Spirit of God, may we be so established in truth that we aren't going to be these babies that are referred to in Scripture that are blown aside, tossed by every wind of doctrine, Father. And, and Father, I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus that me too, every one of us, that, that, we, that we don't cast aside these foundations, that we, we remember these fundamental truths that are so important that we can stand firm. And, and we're so grateful for this righteousness that you've given us, this free gift of your love, this free gift of your unconditional love to the world that we are impressed, Lord, that every person here is, is, is impressed. Even though we've spoken about judgment in context to what we say so often here, Father, they know, they know that this is a love story, a passionate love story that you sent your son to die for us. You've sent your son to die for us. That's how much you've loved us. You've loved the world so much and you still do. You love sinners. You love sinners. And Father, may we be impressed with the idea and the ideals that, wow, time is short. I do have, I do have a job to do. I have a kingdom purpose to fulfill. And in Jesus' name, I speak to your hearts. If you do not know what the gift is that God has placed inside of you, let me reassure you, God has placed something inside of you that is to show the world who God is. You are not insignificant. No matter what religion you've come from, you are incredibly valuable. You have a significant role to play. And, and your mind may be shouting, no, no, not me, not me. That's not me. I am telling you in the name of Jesus, it is you. Yes. You have a role to play. And that's gift that, that God placed inside of you that reveals Jesus to the world. I call it out in Jesus' name. You who have buried it deep in your heart. Under lock and key, under chains of rust. You, you will declare the glory of God through the gift that is in you, that is unique, that is unique to you. Do not believe the lie that you are insignificant. You are deeply valuable. Your, your father loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. If you do not know this Jesus, if you are not saved yet, and, all, and you've heard today, the Spirit of God has put that in your heart. And you're like, you know what? I don't think I've ever even chosen. That's as simple as it is. You, all you need to do is cling to Jesus. And all you need to say is, Jesus, I receive you. I believe in my heart that you were raised on that third day. And with my mouth, I declare that you are Lord. I cannot be good enough. That's all it is. It's a declaration between your heart and him to God of placing your faith in Jesus alone, not in your works. And the word of God tells us you will be saved. We, body of Christ, we who are saved, let me remind you, you are valuable. You are a part of the body. You and me together, we all together form an intimate, integral part of this body. You have a unique place to play, role to play in this, and you are valuable.
and you are loved always 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 I sense that there's people that don't even want to believe that they, they hesitate but Lord you don't understand I, I got saved years ago but but I, I've, I've failed so many times know this God loved you while you were still a sinner he loved you before you were ever saved he will never stop loving you he will never never stop loving stop loving you his love toward you is unconditional just surrender to his love because I tell you if you in your mind's eye saw Jesus's face right now it would not be one of condemnation it would be one of compassion and love he loves you no matter where you are be reminded be reminded of that truth in Jesus name in Jesus name as we finish the seat this morning service and we wrap this up please if you would like to pray with one of our prayer partners our prayer ministers we've got trained prayer ministers that are, are happy to lead you into Jesus or if you want to confess something you know the Bible says that you can confess one to another that you may be healed do you know that there's sometimes healing in confessing something it's not because Jesus isn't paid for it you can just take it off you can offload just offload it let me tell you what God is not counting your sins against you he is not counting your sins against you but if you feel that you need to offload something a prayer minister would be happy to pray with you if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit and you know that that's your next step then do that amen so thank you hallelujah thank you Jesus